to your daily dose of facts to fight off the liberal gaslighting. You can be in the middle of a hurricane. You have sanctuary in the city of Chicago. Or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You could be in a thunderstorm. I am angry. We are not going back. Not ever. North is still north. People can yell at you. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And in this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. We don't get fooled again. No, no. Live across the fruited plain and from sea to shining sea, we are converting the Marxist left one hour at a time on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Hello, America, and beyond the fruited plain, welcome home to the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted, as always, to share our common sense conservatism with you. As we always say, it's easy to digest, it makes sense, and it's good for you. It is the truth, and it's an inconvenient thing for a lot of people on the left. We're going to talk about that an awful lot today. Some very disappointing people, people who have come out to be leaders in some capacity who we see several years later are nothing more than liars and schemers and scammers and frauds. And the I don't remember defense is not good enough, period. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a serious, serious accountability issue in this country. And it comes from the very top. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about John Fetterman. We're going to talk about Hunter Biden and his artwork. We're going to talk about Dr. Fauci. We're going to talk about Alejandro Mayorkas. And we're going to talk about Claudine Gay, still in the news today. And I'm going to drop it why in just a moment. If you're new to the program, Wendy Bell Radio Network app, Wendy Bell Radio podcast, you're here. We're delighted. Welcome to our family. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. There is that sweet spot in everybody's life where you realize, hopefully sooner rather than later, that taking responsibility for what you do or fail to do is really the best plan of attack in living your life. If you make a mistake, if you goof something up, if you, however big, however small, the sooner you admit it and move on from it, the faster you grow as a human being. Well, I have grave concerns about the ability of anybody in this country, especially in leadership, to be responsible for anything that they've done and it's such a tragic lesson that our youth are watching in real time i mean we have a government that refuses to take action and take responsibility for its disastrous predictably so policies that have put us right on the brink of a recession that have made things outrageously expensive that have created policies that just don't make sense that have put all of us in danger in one way or another. 
And nobody is willing to say, you know what? We thought that was going to work. Uh, it didn't. And so we're going to pivot. And we're going to try something else. And there's always the same strategy here, whether it's talking about the border or the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan, even getting pregnant in this country anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to take responsibility for that. You don't have to be accountable for that. There's a procedure to get rid of that. There is no more that was on me. And there is a big that was on me that takes us back to Harvard University. And this is a new wrinkle in this ongoing saga of sock. Look, is it too much to ask that we hold faculty, staff members, administrators, and students all to the same code of decency? Should there be echelons of acceptable sock? depending on your pay scale or what your title is, should you be allowed to get away with stuff and be protected from punishment because of your title, whereas everybody else would be clearly penalized in some capacity and swiftly? Well, you know the answer to this question. Of course, it's not fair. Here's the story. I didn't know this. So before Claudine Gay, Dr. Claudine Gay, failed upwards to become the president of Harvard University just over six months ago. She was dean, all right? She was dean of the school in, I forget which, Faculty of Arts and Sciences, okay? Well, as dean of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences, Dr. Claudine Gay made a little modification, if you will, to the school's plagiarism Policy. This was 2019, my friends. Four years before she was found out for plagiarizing a huge chunk of at least 50% of her quote unquote scholarly works, she made this quiet change to the plagiarism policy. And I want to read this to you. Before she became the shortest serving president in Harvard's history, Claudine Gay watered down the school's policy on research misconduct, making it more difficult to sanction faculty members for plagiarism and greenlighting the very rules the schools invoked in a last-ditch effort to save her job. Ladies and gentlemen, she was being groomed to become president of Harvard University in 2019. It obviously came to the radar that she had fudged her work, that she had lifted complete paragraphs without citation. They knew this was a problem. She knew this was a problem. So proactively, literally for her own well-being, she goes into the, into the rules, the bylaws. You know, these things that we're supposed to to all adhere to. And she fiddled with them, ladies and gentlemen. The new policy, which she approved in 2019, as the dean of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences, redefined research misconduct. That's called plagiarism. You can change it. You can give it a new name. You could put lipstick on a pig, still a pig, still plagiarism. She changed it to exclude accidental infractions professors it said could be sanctioned only if they plagiarized knowingly intentionally or recklessly and it is precisely that clause that the harvard corporation leaned on as it sought to exonerate gay from mounting allegations of plagiarism 
which ultimately just cost her her title. Nothing else. There is a, a very scummy underbelly of suck in this country. And it is antithetical to how you and I raise our children. You are responsible for your actions. Nobody else. There's no finger pointing. There's no blame game. You can't stonewall and slow walk. When you are wrong, you are wrong. And in households all across the fruited plain, we have these conversations frequently with our children. These are the examples being given to our kids today from the highest levels, from Joe Biden sitting ostensibly in the Oval Office, being allowed to lie repeatedly, to, to quote unquote, lead the greatest nation on planet Earth, but not really to be the face of all of these policies that have systematically whittled away our freedoms, our rights, our peace of mind, our safety, our security, our idea of what is right and what is wrong. And the list goes on and on and on. We had Dr. Fauci yesterday and Monday appearing before a House Oversight Committee on the coronavirus and the pandemic and the preparedness and everything, refusing to take responsibility for scaring the everlasting liver out of entire planet. That man said he could not recall more than 100 times. He could not recall. He could not recall being the guy who fundamentally was, fun he was, he was, determining our entire strategy. He, he was the guy who suggested that the military all be vaccinated. He was the guy who said you were going to die and your kids would too if you didn't follow along. And now all of a sudden, when their chickens come home to roost, when all of a sudden, all these people are having all these problems. Dr. Fauci just doesn't remember all of that. I, I can't recall. It was so long ago. Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, keeps from, keeps from the American people, keeps from Congress, which, by the way, is against the rules, keeps from the President of the United States that he has prostate cancer and is in the freaking hospital having issues with the procedure. What? And we're told by the White House, yeah, that probably wasn't handled well. Ladies and gentlemen, until we have accountability and until people take responsibility for what they've done, how on earth are our children supposed to learn? Tell me that. How does that happen in your household? Well, it happens because every single day you drill it into them. But this show today is going to be an exposure of all of this nonsense that now these folks claim they can't recall. I just don't remember. I, I, don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I do. It's that you suck. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere because when we come back, Ray Epps, the Fed, clearly a Fed, gets a slap on the wrist. <laughs> he gets a slap on the wrist where J6 defendants are spending a collective, what, 900 years in prison? Oh boy, wait for it next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Yeah, it's early, but I got to tell you, you got to have a little head banging today. 
So Ray Epps. <laughs> Does anybody out there think this guy was just some some just rando fellow walking around trying to get everybody ginned up the night before January 6th? We're going to go into the Capitol, said nobody who wasn't a plant. And all of the people around with their GoPros, their cell phones, their American flags, their MAGA attire were like, what are you talking about? And then they started chanting, Fed, 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 Fed. And then when everybody called it out, Ted Cruz asking Jill Sanborn, who was acting FBI, whatever, when Chris Ray wasn't available for a congressional hearing, right? She's like, I can't answer those questions. Ms. Ms. Sanborn. Was Ray Epps an undercover agent? Because he was listed on the top 10 most wanted from January 6th until all of a sudden, poof, he was gone. What happened to that? Sir, I cannot answer. That's part of an ongoing investigation. No, you do answer, ma'am. And your lack of ability to do so lets us know everything that's going on. These clowns have been running interference for Ray Epps from the beginning. And you knew that when they brought him out on 60 Minutes to tell his story. I'm getting death threats now. Well, he got a slap on the wrist yesterday, if you guys haven't seen this. He's part of the group who lifted a sign, right? And, and allegedly this group threw the sign to Capitol Police officers. I guess some folks got hurt. And people who were with Ray Epps, shoulder to shoulder with him, holding the sign on the steps of the Capitol, hurting some people, got sent to jail for years. Not Ray Epps. He kind of got a Hunter Biden sweetheart deal. Shh, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna find out about this, right? How about this? J6 operative Ray Epps was sentenced on Tuesday to no jail time. Two-tier system of justice, friends. The only January 6th protester who actually told people to go into the Capitol has been officially sentenced to one year of probation. You know what? Just don't do it again. Okay. A $500 fine. Ooh, that'll move his needle. And 100 hours of community service. My friends, Douglas Mackey, who put out, retweeted a meme to Hillary Clinton voters. Hey, did you know you can text your vote on Wednesday or whatever after the election? Call this number, text this. They wanted to send him to prison for years. Thousands and thousands of dollars of fines for a freaking tweet of a meme that he didn't even originate. And Ray Epps, who for better than 24 hours was in Washington, D.C., trying to stir the pot and get people all fired up. But I mean, you needed him on the outside, right? We know from Clay Higgins that at least... Conservative estimate, 200 undercover agents, whether Capitol Police, feds or otherwise, were inside and outside the Capitol on January 6th. Inside before the Capitol Police opened the doors and just let everybody come on in. Ray Epps was one of them. And anybody who wants to tell you otherwise sucks and is scared because they know the optics. Let's get a little bit more into this.
The Biden regime has refused to charge Ray Epps with hurling a sign at police when eight others are rotting in prison today for just touching the sign. Ray Epps steered it towards the police and hurled it at them, and he is a free man today. Our government is beyond broken. Our government must be the most corrupt on planet Earth. I used to think Ukraine was terrible. They got nothing on us. In a damning video, Ray Epps is filmed hoisting a monster Trump sign with several other supporters. He was likely leading the efforts as he led the crowd as they breached not just the first set of barriers to the Capitol, but also the second set. It's another crime, by the way. And if you watch the video, you can see him clearly. After the sign is released, Ray Epps pops up, is seen standing, directing the crowd. I'm looking at it right now. Look, there is no debate in Realville that those of us who believe in conservative values, those of us who love this country and who understand our rights, are the greatest threat to the people who hate this place. And they will stop at nothing. And they want this to go away. In fact, I understand that, in fact, there was supposed to be a public. He was supposed to appear in public. And they moved this to some kind of a Zoom hearing. A Zoom hearing. Because Ray Epps, we understand, was going to be served with a lawsuit by Ryan Samsell, one of the J6 defendants, by the way, who, if I'm not mistaken, is in jail. He's suing Ray Epps for all of the personal experiences he had with the man. And instead of being served on the spot, the DOJ ran interference for Ray Epps and allowed him to appear virtually. Do you think all of the January 6th defendants who are rotting in jail right now were given those same accommodations? Of course not. Absolutely not. Slap on the wrist, the same slap on the wrist for Hunter Biden for being a filthy dirtbag. All of them. All of them. Now, let's not get too far in the weeds here. Let's talk a little bit about Hunter, okay? When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about Hunter Biden. His artwork, you know, he's, he's so talented. He made hundreds of thousands of dollars. How about a lie that the White House repeatedly told us that has been officially debunked? Oh, yes. Our, our journey into the depths of suck continues, my friends. Minutes away on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Well, welcome back, my friends, to the Wendy Bell Radio program. Before I pivot and I jump to this ridiculous, oh, actually, dot, 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 story about Hunter Biden and the people who bought his, his artwork. It's so amazing how many of these quote-unquote conspiracy theories are all true. I mean, tell me a conspiracy theory that you've heard in the last two years that has not been proven true. Right? It's remarkable. It's predictable. It's disgusting. Before I move on to that, though, I want to I get back to Ray Epps. Everybody paying attention knows exactly what he is. 
He looks the part. He talks the part. He is the part. When the government comes to his defense, you know he is employed by them. Anybody who still believes that January 6th was some organic thing, that a bunch of people really wanted to go overturn the government, and they really, really wanted to go hurt police officers, and they really wanted to do damage inside of the Capitol, you know, I can't help those people. Some folks will not be saved. For the rest of us who live in Realville, who know exactly what's going on and are sickened by it every day, I want to read you this. So Epps is supposed to appear in court yesterday. Well, it's so interesting that the D.C. court suddenly changed his in-person public sentencing hearing to this remote Zoom hearing yesterday evening. He was scheduled to appear in person at 10 a.m. at the E. Barrett Prettyman United States Courthouse in Washington, D.C. for his sentencing. According to the court docket, on the 8th, the hearing was modified to a hybrid hearing, meaning the government would be in person, the defense would appear via Zoom. Why would that be? As reported by the Gateway Pundit, Epps was just sued by January 6th defendant Eric Clark, for conspiracy to violate civil rights. The case was filed in a Utah federal court. I said Ryan Samsell, I was wrong. It's this gentleman, Eric Clark. And this is where things get super shady. There was a tip that Ray Epps was going to be served with this lawsuit at the courthouse during his sentencing. Process servers were hired by the plaintiff and by the Gateway Pundit. They were scheduled to be there to capture the moment Epps was served on video it was all discussed in private phone calls and then like magic ray epps fairy godmother changes his public in-person sentencing hearing to a remote telephone sentencing hearing how daggone coincidental and convenient and it was all approved by an obama appointed chief judge named james boseberg what more proof is needed to show that the government is protecting this dude? Of course we know. Duh. Of course you know that the whole Hunter Biden artwork slush fund of suck was a complete farce. We need Hunter and Joe to be able to still generate income for the Biden crime family. These people have gotten used to living high, right? For Hunter, literally. But the best stuff blowing through tens of thousands of dollars every month. Hunter traveled. He had hookers flown in from all over the place. He had an expensive drug habit, right? All of these things. Only a moron didn't see what was going on with people, quote unquote, buying his artwork. Not only were they buying favor from Joe Biden and his crime family, they were helping the, the Bidens stay afloat, and continue their luxurious lifestyle, period. And now all of a sudden, there's this story that comes out. Do you remember when then Jen Psaki at the time, she was the press secretary, she tried to create this storyline. Look, 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 there is this wall, like the wall between Joe Biden and Hunter regarding his business, right? There's a wall here. I've never taught, right? There was a wall there between Hunter and these buyers of his crappy artwork. 
We're going to create this. It's an ethical thing. We need to protect the president's son from any, any idea, any optics that something's not on the up and up here. Really? Well, now, all of a sudden, breaking news is just in. Oh, there really was no plan to separate Hunter Biden from the people who were buying his artwork. No, duh. They think you're so stupid. Here's your headline, townhall.com. Hunter Biden's art dealer contradicts the White House. I hate when that happens. When people dared to raise concerns about the sale of Hunter Biden's artwork, including Walter Michael Schaub Jr., the ethics chief under the Obama administration, the White House just kind of dismissed everything. In July of 2021, claiming, quote, a system has been established with ethics agreements put into place for buyers, buyers being kept anonymous to prevent any kind of corruption. Right. Two and a half years later, we know all of that is another giant lie because that's all these people know how to do is lie, period. No accountability. Nobody pays the price. Nobody goes to prison. Nobody suffers. Meanwhile, innocent people who were gathering The steps of the Capitol on January 6th find themselves mired with tens of thousands of lawyers' bills, right? Tens of thousands of dollars, many of them losing years of freedom in the gulag. Makes sense. Two and a half years later, of course, this was a lie based on transcribed testimony that George Burgess, Hunter Biden's art gallerist, gave to the House Oversight Committee. Burgess had been subpoenaed by the committee last month. Huh. Now, according to a committee press release and takeaways posted on X, the White House actually never facilitated any such agreements. So, Jen Psaki, you just stood there and lied to everybody. Yes. Yes, she did. Yes, in fact, it's what they do every gosh darn day, my friends. In fact, George Burgess never He stated he never had any communication with the White House about any agreement about Hunter Biden's art and admitted Hunter Biden knew the identities of the individuals who purchased roughly 70 percent of the value of his art, including Democrat donors Kevin Morris and Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali. Not only did Burgess know the identity of a majority of donors, They were Democratic donors whose names we have heard before. Morris, I've talked about him a lot. The sugar brother for Hunter Biden, as he's assisted him in his legal battles. He's also the attorney who's been photographed smoking out of a bong in California. Naftali's name was received and revealed last July. She was also a big Biden donor and one to Kamala Harris. And she has since been appointed, of course, to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad. Sounds like a quid pro quo to me. How about y'all? Now, the committee has plenty of receipts, including a statement from Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates, including a CNN article from the time saying that we come on, we've, we've got this wall. We understand how this looks. We are going to do this by the book, right? Those vaccines safe and effective. You must get. No, no, no. Nobody's going to get hurt. No, get them. No, no, no. See, men can have babies. You guys have it all wrong. I don't know where you grew up, but they can have babies, right? 
It's all stupid. And it makes me angry because in your life, there are real things going on. There are real struggles happening. In Joe Biden's world, he and his crime family can get away with millions and millions and millions of dollars of foreign bribes. That's treasonous, my friends. The committee also explains how Hunter and Burgess met, which was through a woman described as a Hollywood video producer who's hosted fundraisers for Joe Biden. That sounds like it's legit. And there's more information about Morris and Neftali as well. George's Bur- George Burgess revealed Kevin Morris purchased most of Hunter Biden's art for $875,000 in January 2023. What do you think that's doing, ladies and gentlemen? Right? I'm buying favor. Please. However, Kevin Morris only paid Mr. Burgess 40% commission of the $875,000 purchase. And Hunter Biden and Kevin Morris figured out the financial implications. Wait a minute. That's not a line between Hunter and the buyers of his sucky art. How about in 2020? Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali did not buy Hunter Biden's art, despite George Burgess's best efforts. Within two months of Joe Biden becoming president, however, she did. She purchased her first piece of Hunter Biden's artwork for $42,000. And then in July of 2022, Joe Biden announced her appointment to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad. The same commission that Biden family associate Eric Schwerin was appointed to during the Obama-Biden administration. In December of last year, my friends, Hirsch Neftali purchased more of Hunter Biden's art for $52,000. Other takeaways spoke more to the Biden name, having influence in the mention of President Joe Biden himself, including how George Burgess confirmed Hunter Biden's name had influence on setting the price for his art. And how George himself stated that he has talked on the phone and met in person with Joe Biden even attending the wedding that the Bidens hosted at the White House. Huh. House Oversight Committee Chair Jamie Comer releasing a statement calling on the White House to explain the contradictions. Look, the process of a bad lie that everybody knows is a bad lie. And then the lie getting worse with worse excuses for it and the snowball effect until finally there's that aha oh yeah well about that and then members of congress pretending like they need to take action well what the hell kind of action are you going to take about this what are we going to do about america's joe biden problem Well, we heard Margaret Brennan on CBS demanding from the House Speaker that he say on the record that Joe Biden was elected president in 2020. It sounds like a lot of people are really scared right now. The question I have is when do all of them get thrown in the gulag as well? When is that revolving door changing? When do our defendants who have been wrongly imprisoned get out and the dirtbags who've been screwing us go in? I'm getting impatient. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio program, my friends, talk about a perfect storm. 
You guys hear what happened to those students? At that high school in New York, as the migrants booted them out of school? Oh my. It's the Great Replacement Theory. Next. You know, I, I gotta say, you, you don't you don't fiddle with with the children. You just don't choose illegal immigrants over America's children. And that's exactly what's going on in this country. And we're going to focus specifically on New York City. In a ridiculous... Look, Democrats, you guys voted for this. You voted in these clowns. Joe Biden, Barack Obama, all of these folks who have signed on to the Global Compact on Migration... Open up the borders, bring as many people from all over the world here, muddy down the, the, the national identity of these United States, bring in a bunch of people we don't know who haven't been vetted. We know nothing about who they are, what diseases, what drugs, what anything they might have brought with them over the border. Bring them to the United States, put them somewhere like in New York. You're going to put them in the middle of a... a You're going to put up a huge tent, right, in an area that you know is prone to high winds and storms, flooding. And then when New York gets walloped by a storm yesterday, you're going to have to scramble. And you're going to have to relocate 1,800 migrants, and you're going to have to put them somewhere. Where are they going to go? This is crazy. I want to read this to you. Brock sent this to me earlier, and it's absolutely mind-boggling. So James Madison High School, all right? James Madison High School in New York City. Students are literally kicked out of school and they're on remote learning today, just like COVID, because New York City had nowhere to go with its migrants. Where are we going to go? Bad weather. They're not going to do well out in this field where we have this tent city set up, where it costs millions of dollars every month that New York City taxpayers are paying, right? We got to move these guys. And we're going to move them into a school that is being used by American students. That's called great replacement. But this was all set up in November of last year. New York City public schools sent to the parents of these students, dear families, New York City Public Schools is initiating a remote learning readiness practice plan to support and improve schools readiness in the event a transition to remote learning is necessary. There are several steps to be taken in preparation for the implementation of this practice plan that are outlined below. This wasn't about a new pandemic. It wasn't about a new variant. It wasn't about anything. It was about the plan. Where are we going to put this Massive humanity that the Biden administration and Alejandro Mayorkas have welcomed into the southern border. Where are we going to put them? Well, kick your students out of school and let the migrants sleep on the floor. Who does this serve? Doesn't serve the migrants. Doesn't serve the students. Certainly doesn't serve the taxpayers. And that's the plan. New York Post headline. New York City students forced to go remote as city houses nearly 2,000 migrants at their school. And parents went off. Students at a Brooklyn high school kicked out of the classroom to make room for nearly 2,000 migrants who were evacuated from a controversial tent shelter, which everybody paying attention was like, that's a really bad idea. Well, let's do it anyway, is your Democrat response. Perfect plan of suck. 
So they moved out of the shelter due to a monster storm closing in on New York. The city made the move amid concerns that a massive migrant tent at Floyd Bennett Field would collapse from torrential rains and gusting winds, packing them instead into the second floor gym at James Madison High School five miles away. The school's neighbors not keen on the last minute decision. This is effed up, said one local resident. He said his name was Rob. It's a litmus test. They're using a storm, a legitimate situation, where they're testing this all out. I guarantee you they're going to be here, meaning the migrants, inside the school gym through the entire summer. There's 1,900 people getting thrown into my neighborhood, half of a block from where I live, and we don't know who they are, he said. They're not vetted. A lot of them have criminal records and backgrounds, and we don't even know about. Huh. Didn't Donald Trump warn about this? Oh, yeah, he did back in 2019. And everybody called him, ah, what a racist, hater. No. What are you going to do with all these people? Well, there you go. It gets worse, of course. Parents losing their minds. The school announced online earlier in the day that classes would be held remotely on Wednesday. Today, Due to the, quote, activation of James Madison High School as a temporary overnight respite center for the migrants. The decision to clear them out of the the field came as city officials feared for the safety of the tent city. With the heavy rains and winds gusting up to 70 miles per hour. It's a perfect storm, literally and figuratively. And this is the point. Now, let me ask you this. Who's going to inspect the property if and when those migrants are ever moved out of that school? What if any of these individuals has drugs on them? What if any of that drug paraphernalia is left behind? What if a student happens to come into contact with fentanyl or any other such garbage that any of these people who we don't know, whose backgrounds we're completely in the dark about, might bring with them into that environment. New York City officials don't care. They're not worried about that. You have a bunch of highly incompetent people who check boxes, doing jobs they are not qualified to do. You have a governor in New York who sucks, Kathy Hochul, who's an abject failure. And then you have this storm of humanity And you need facilities big enough to put them. Anybody else see what's going on here? Winners and losers. Winners, people who have no skin in the game, who do nothing to contribute to this country, who, in fact, are costing us billions of dollars every damn month. And the losers, your children. Your children. That is Joe Biden's America. Feel nice, warm, and comfy? Uh Uh-huh. Well, don't go anywhere. When we come back, the agent of destruction. Tony Fauci claims more than 100 times that he can't remember some pretty key stuff. You believe it? We'll take you there coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. 